Folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is February the 27th, 2019, and this is episode 2390 of the Survival Podcast, 2390. It is a Wednesday, that means it's interview day, and we are going to be completing, I guess what you would call a series here, on CBD oil. Earlier this year, uh, I got a couple questions on CBD oil, and I had to answer them mostly with, I don't know. From a standpoint of a, a liberty thing, I have always felt that cannabis as a whole should just be completely not a criminal thing. It just be completely left alone. And uh, and CBD, specifically being the component of the, the hemp plant that does not get people high, that is not a recreational drug in any way, Um, the fact there was prohibition on that at any point in time was just basically sinful. Didn't mean I knew a lot about it. So I put out a call to get some folks on the air that had different takes on the, the product. So the first one we brought you in this series was a research scientist out of Canada who did his uh, Ph.D. Uh, work on um, hemp oil and cannabis oil and THC and CBD and the, and the whole rigmarole and the entourage effect and everything else. Uh, then I brought a gentleman on by the name of Brian, who is now a discount uh, vendor for the MSB, and he does CBD-infused uh, coffee. He comes from a different viewpoint on it, uh, more as someone that self-medicates with CBD and helps others do the same, and someone that's out of the cannabis industry as a whole, who during the time that cannabis was legal for medical use in uh, in Washington State, but not for recreational use, uh, was a medical caregiver for people that had things like terminal cancer and all. That's a completely different viewpoint and vantage point to come at. Today we're bringing on a girl named uh, Blair Wickela, uh, who is a RN, and she works with a company called Hemp Magic as part of their board, And they sell a variety of CBD oils. And she's done a tremendous amount of research into CBD. And she is here to talk to us about that, including uh, not just CBD oil, but the endocannabinoid system itself, which we talked about both uh, with our past guests as well. And I, I think it'll be interesting because it's a different viewpoint. Uh, this, this gal has a bachelor's degree in health science and physical education and nursing, as well as a master of sports science degree from the United States Sports Academy, Uh, she completed an internship at the Cooper Institute in Dallas. That's right in my backyard. And I can tell you the Cooper Institute is considered one of the top-notch facilities in the country. Um, she also studied biochemistry at the University of Colorado. Uh, she's a sports performance coach, and her most recent fitness-related uh, certification is a performance coach level one. So she's come out of kind of that world. But she joins us today to talk about the endocannabinoid system, and why it's important and how to support it. Today we're also going to talk about the system's uh, emerging role in overall human health because so little is known about it because we didn't even know this thing existed until very recently because there was no, it wasn't legal to do scientific research into cannabis, which they had said had no medical use whatsoever. It, it, it really is a shameful chapter, I think, in, in U.S. history. Uh, today we also are going to discuss one of the often asked questions about how CBD oil might affect A workplace drug test, that's something that's come up 
uh, quite a bit since I've had the first two people on. Like, I have this problem, and this stuff might help me, but am I going to lose my job if I take a drug test? And we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the different ways CBD can be used, how you figure out a proper dosage, and a lot of other stuff. We'll get to all that and more in just a moment. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ready-Made Resources, the company that does what it says and says what it does. All the resources you need for your prepping, ready-made and ready to go, you'll find them all at ReadyMadeResources.com, the company that does what it says and says what it does. Next up, Western Botanicals. Hey, we're talking about herbs today when it comes to the cannabis plant. Uh, you won't find cannabis at Western Botanicals, but I think that pretty much otherwise, if it's legal and herbal and useful, you will find it at Western Botanicals. And all of it will either be organically grown or wild-crafted. Now, why is that organically grown or wild-crafted? You can't call a wild-crafted product organic. That's, yeah, that's our government helping us. Um, the world of herbs is an amazing world. I believe there's so many healing things that herbs can do for our body. They're the kinder, gentler way to treat many, not all, but many ailments. What I love about Western Botanicals, <clears throat> no hype, no BS, And real people that really care about you, that really will answer the phone and talk to you in English because they're located in Utah, not New Delhi. Check them out today at westernbotanicals.com. Remember, in the benefits section of the MSB, there are discount offers from both ready-made resources and Western Botanicals. The one from Western Botanicals will cover your membership for the first year by itself. On that, hey, you want to help support this show? You want this show to always be around? You want me to be able to bring you, you know, one great guest a week? Have the expert counsel on every week? Do two amazing feedback shows with the calls and the emails and bring you a standalone topic and keep doing that like I have for 10 years. You know how I do that? I do that with the support of the members of the Member Support Brigade. Without the MSB, this show is not really financially viable. I don't charge enough in sponsorships, and I, I don't really want to run the show that way. I look at it this way. You guys are my bosses collectively, and I serve you. And that's why I put the MSB together. So my highest answer to anybody would always be to the MSB and to the audience as a whole. And if you join, the good news is you just use the discounts to get your money back, so it's painless. So consider supporting us as a member today if you're not already. Before I bring our special guest on, um, I, I wanted to remind you again about Saturday morning. Saturday morning, if you snooze, you will probably lose. If you have your alarm set too late, and hit the snooze button one time, you will snooze and lose. I can just about guarantee it. That is the coming Saturday, March the 2nd at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. If you're in the eastern, the mountain, the Pacific, you need to adjust accordingly. This, of course, is when we are opening sign-ups for um, the spring pond building workshop at my property here. Uh, again, it's a uh, two-day workshop, 300 bucks. We are going to take care of you when, from a standpoint of feeding you and making sure you have fun and learn a lot. Uh, my workshops always sell out with, with you know student headcounts in the 40s. Um, this time we're only taking 18 people, and uh, so it will sell out quick. So if you want to come, please do, but please get up early. I think it'll sell out fast, but I think it'll sell out in a way that if you actually are around, And ready to go uh, Saturday morning when I push the thing live, uh, you will be able to sign up. Remember the way this is going to work. At 8, I'm sorry, at 10 a.m., I will push uh, a new link into the MSB. You will have to log into MSB and click the link from the homepage to be able to sign up. If by some miracle it doesn't sell out on Saturday, I'll open it up to any and all on Sunday. 
Uh, that doesn't usually happen, but it's one of the benefits of being a member is that my workshops, you get first crack at them. And since we started doing that, we have not had one actually ever be open to people outside MSB. So that just tells you they do sell out. So if you're a member, you might want to check and make sure you don't expire between then and now. If you, you know, your auto renew fails or something, and you probably want to go log in like in advance to make sure that it'll work for you, uh, so that you can do that. The dates of the workshop in itself, the 25th and 26th. And with that, let's go ahead and get into our main topic today. Again, we're talking about CBD oils and we're talking about the end of cannabinoid system. We're going to talk about cannabis as a whole too, not just CBD though. That is the main focus of today's discussion. And uh, with that, I'd like to introduce our special guest, Abe Blair. Welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hi, Jack. Thanks for bringing me on. I'm glad to have you on. You're our third guest on this subject in, in like the past, I think, like five weeks. Um, going into CBD oils, I've always been an advocate uh, for cannabis freedom on all sides of the spectrum there, just from a pure liberty standpoint. But I started to get some questions about CBD oil, and I had to be like, you know, I really don't know. So I kind of went on this journey of discovery. So we've had a research scientist, we've had kind of uh, more of an entrepreneur. Now we've got someone with a medical background that's also like kind of blending those two. So I think this will be great. But before we dig into it, can you tell us like what led you to even get interested in cannabis and the endocannabinoid system in the first place? Because this is a system of the body we didn't even know existed until not, not very long ago. That's correct, the 1990s, in fact. And it's something that, uh, you know, in high school it would be, you know, what a lot of kids would experiment with, and it's something that just never resonated with me. But I didn't have a, a problem with it, and, it, you know, I always thought that it was, you know, a little ridiculous with, you know, having access to alcohol, why you couldn't have access to, you know, this plant. Um, and then... In my medical career, you know, I, there was always this missing element. I, I worked, um, when I worked in the hospital, it was at uh, Denver's Children's Hospital, and it was on the neuroorthotrauma rehab floor. And, you know, these kids were recovering from life-threatening injuries, and they'd had horroring um, surgeries that just took so much recovery. And, uh, you know, narcotics were necessary you know, even with infants and children. But, you know, the alternative was Tylenol. So you give them Tylenol, and then the next step is morphine. So, you know, I, even then I thought, you know, we need an adjunct. We need an, an intermediary. And um, and then just most recently my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and I did a genetic profile on myself and found that I am also at high risk for Alzheimer's disease. And so I um, like to spend my free time going through research studies. And so I just, you know, did a really deep dive into the research on what I could do for myself. I'm also a, a Bredesen um, practitioner, and, and he's the um, doctor that is um, wrote the book, the end of Alzheimer's and is training practitioners all over the, the world. So there's a lot you can do for it. Um, like there's so much you can do for things like diabetes. But when I was looking through the research for my specific genetic kind of variant that I had, you know, you would find these studies that say, you know, this hat shows some hope and some promise, except for folks with this specific, you know, allele or SNP. And, so, you know, I just felt doomed. And then I came across the, the two strongest things that I came across. One of them 
was cannabis in that um, there's some animal studies showing that it clears away beta amyloid plaques and it also um, it impacts neuroinflammation. And so, you know, so that got me on the journey to, you know, learn all I could about the endocannabinoid system. And I'm a member of the American Cannabis Nurses Association, and I went through the um, Medical Cannabis Institute uh, practitioner training. And it's, it's kind of that learning paradox where the more you know, the, the less you understand. I mean, there's just so much to this. And um, just as a nurse with a um, holistic focus, what's so exciting to me is its role that it can play in optimizing our health and keeping us away from what I call that black hole of standard of care medicine, which unfortunately my parents are sucked into currently. But so that's how I kind of came around to um, all things endocannabinoid system. So can you start out, let's start out with that. What exactly is the endocannabinoid system as a thing that's in the human body? It is a series of receptors all throughout the body. Um, in the nervous system, plays a big role in the immune system, and the GI tract, even connective tissue in our organs. I mean, if we were to illuminate these receptors, we would light up like a Christmas tree. And along with those, we produce our own cannabinoids. They're called endocannabinoids, and they engage the endocannabinoid system and the receptors. And then there's also the enzymes that um, are involved as well. And this, the endocannabinoid system is this, it's, it's like a carpenter's level. It's, it's like this great equalizer to all our other body systems and in and, and a variety of pathways and mechanisms and signaling. And so, um, again, I'm so excited about it, you know, as to optimize health, because if your endocannabinoid system is in crisis or struggling, you're going to be very hard pressed to get traction with anything else, you know, in your body or any other issue with another body system. So um, it, it, I liken it to, you know, there's three tiers to me to kind of staying out of that, like I said, that black hole of standard of care medicine, and that is to, um, to eat, you know, what sustains you and what you want to burn, and then to prevent chronic disease, you need to keep inflammation down. And the endocannabinoid system is, for so many people, that last missing piece to why they, that puzzle piece to why they haven't been able to get traction, you know, in um, optimizing health. So can you maybe explain, okay, what's the difference between an endocannabinoid in my body and a cannabinoid from a plant? The uh, endocannabinoids in your body are produced naturally. And just like, I mean, you can think about it in the same way that you would think about maybe insulin. And, you know, when you eat um, a lot of sugar and the sugar gets into your blood, too much sugar for prolonged periods in your blood is damaging to your blood vessels. So we have a mechanism to get that out, and that's insulin. Well, um, with urban, you know, modern lifestyle and, you know, standard of American diet and all that, you know, we're okay for a couple of decades. But eventually it catches up to us, and, you know, insulin just can't do its job and, the, you know, our body cells are just like, they just can't do it anymore. 
Well, I think the same thing is happening with our endocannabinoid system. And we go along, you know, merrily and produce the cannabinoids that we need to engage this system to optimize our health. And what it does is it brings about um, something called homeostasis, which is that Goldilocks state of being. But with modern lifestyle, with age, with certain genetic factors, um, being exposed to toxins, stress, our the our body's own production of cannabinoids can't keep up. And that's when the endocannabinoid system is straight. And then the um the plant-derived cannabinoids are similar compounds in that they also engage our endocannabinoid system. So that is one way if our ECS, we can say instead of endocannabinoid system, is struggling, that's a nice direct way to support it. So what, what role then does this play in overall health, the totality of health? Well, it, if, like I said, if your endocannabinoid system is straining or your cannabinoid production is straining to keep up with the demand, then your ECS is not going to be able to do its job in correcting everything else that's or attempting to correct everything else that's going into your on in your body. An example of that would be, let's say you stubbed your toe and, you know, the acute response is you've got the inflammation and the pain. Well, what the endocannabinoid system does is it comes in and it, it responds to this inflammation and, and addresses, you know, where it's at and brings back or brings in the anti-inflammatory factors. And then the same thing like with the nervous system. You know, we can have with um, high anxiety and that's like over um, exciting to the nervous system. And then if we have the appropriate amount of cannabinoids or if we use, um, you know, plant-derived cannabinoids, then that comes in and brings and is more of a inhibitory to the nervous system. So that calms it down. And that's why, you know, you see things like, you know, anxiety and seizures, you know, those are, um, those are overexcited states of the nervous system. And, you know, how, if you bring that ECS back in balance, that can calm that down. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, why is it only, you mentioned it was discovered in the nineties. Why is it, You know, this, this, this incredible body system. Why is it so new to science? Well, uh, just because of the, you know, it was criminalized and still is um, largely. And so, you know, we were very hands were tied with studying it. And um, I believe it first started with the discovery of, you know, that THC was a psychoactive compound in cannabis. And then researchers thought, well, you know, it's, it's, has to be engaging some receptors. And I, I doubt, you know, we just have receptors for THC. And so then that led them on a hunt for, you know, wow, we must produce our own. And that's when they discovered the, that, you know, our endocannabinoids and then, you know, the whole series of receptors. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, government to the aid once again. Uh, <laughs> I, I, What is the what is the cannabinoid and the distinction distinction uh, what is the cannabinoid and the distinction between because this is your words here uh, <laughs> endo endo 
I can't even read this. I, I don't know that word. Endogir- it looks like endogenous. Endogenous. That's it. Endogenous and exogenous. Uh, ex- whatever the other exogenous. damn thing is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Endogenous and exogenous. Now, okay. endogenous means made within the body. And ex- so that would be our endocannabinoids. And exogenous would be outside the body, but, you know, like the cannabinoids that we produce. And that would be plant-derived cannabinoids. And there's other, um, well, um, you know, besides the cannabis plant, you know, there's cannabinoids in chocolate and, you know, kava, things like that. Gotcha. You can, you can also engage, you can also enhance your endocannabinoid system functioning with things like um, meditation and um, being outside, getting some exercise, also um, tuning into the, the circadian cycles, you know, of light and dark. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what is the role then of these plant-derived cannabinoids in all of this? They will give, they will support the endocannabinoid system in that if you are deficient or you are not producing sufficient amounts of your own cannabinoids, then they can make up for that difference. Now they, they engage at some major, uh, some of the cannabinoids may engage the receptors directly, but like with CBD, it has more of an indirect impact. In fact, it, one of its main purposes is to preserve our own natural cannabinoids, so kind of to prevent their breakdown, which I think is kind of interesting. Okay, so when we're looking to do this, because there's like, I was I was kind of amazed one day, I just like how much CBD product is out there, and I went on Amazon of all things and put in CBD oil and there was like a gazillion uh, brands and labels and things like that. Um, so what do we look for? What, what, you know, in, in a cannabinoid type product, a CBD product, what have you, and what are the various routes of administration? How do you know how much to take? I mean, it seems like science is way behind where it should be on this because of some of the things we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, it's something that when I started looking into products for my father and for myself, I went online, you know, similar to probably what you're speaking to. And as a nurse, I want to know what the concentration of the active ingredient is in a product. And concentration usually is like in milligrams per ml. So I would go and, and find these products that, you know, touted all this and that and, um, you know, but they they would not they weren't transparent completely transparent in that it would just say maybe you know how much of the tincture was in the bottle or um, so it it took me a while to find it and then you know I, then I started comparing when I did find products that disclosed that you know how many milligrams per ml were in that and some of them were uh, maybe five which um, you know I wanted. As, again, a nurse, I wanted a higher concentration to have a higher impact. And so that's real important. So you want to make sure they give you what the concentration of, and it could be a CBD or it could be as CBDs because of the changing regulations. Um, you know, a lot of these companies are having to, you know, every month print a new label. But just look for the, um, 
milligrams per ml or serving of CBD that you get. And if you are in, um, if you're not in a legal, medical legal or a recreational legal state, then, you know, it's going to be the hemp drive CBD products, which are going to be 0.3 or 3% less, 0.3% um, THC or less. And um, beyond the high concentration, you want organic because hemp is an amazing bioaccumulator. So you want it organic and it would be, you also want to see if they have a, a COA and you want to see if they've tested for pesticides because, you know, it, it will suck all that in and, and things like heavy metals and molds. But um, so organic, full spectrum, high concentration. And, you know, there's a variety of ways to to take CBD. You can do it sublingually, which is underneath the tongue. You just hold it there for like a minute and it gets absorbed in the arteries underneath your tongue which is a direct route to the bloodstream versus if it had to go through di- through your digestive system, excuse me, um, it would be less bioavailable. But if you do consume it um, orally, then um, it, it can be stored in your fat cells and be released at a later time when, you know, when needed. Um, but I really do like the sublingual oils, especially for people who are just starting out on this. And, um, you know, there's also topical, but that's going to be a little bit, that's certainly going to be less systemically bioavailable. Gotcha. Um, so I had a question for you. You you work with a company called Hemp Magic, and, and you guys sent us some stuff to try. And one of them yeah. was like an awakening, and the other one was like a Rest Plus. So, you know, both of them are a CBD product. So can you talk about like, how a particular CBD product can maybe be kind of, I guess, dialed in to a specific need. Um, I have found that that Rest Plus is very beneficial to being able to get the heck to sleep when you're having trouble with that. Um, the I, I know it works. I've used other products. I've used y'all's products. Uh, this Sunday, I did one of those things where, you know, being near 50 now, really pushed myself physically further than I should to get a bunch done in a day. And when I went to, to go to bed, I hit the bed, and I wasn't in, like, that kind of, like, acute, oh, my God, pain. It was that kind of pain where it's like restless legs all over your body. Like, you just can't yes. be comfortable, so you just can't sit still long enough to go to sleep. And yes. I went and got a half a dropper full of that stuff, and in five minutes, I was gone And I wasn't gone because it knocked me out. I was gone because it took all of that discomfort and it made it go away. And as soon as it was gone, I was out, you know. So, like, that – and I've used other products for the same thing and they work. But the ones that are – and I noticed that product, like, had, like, no THC in it at all. And then the one that was more of an awakening had, like, a little bit of THC. And when I've used products like that at night, what I can say is it causes an awful lot of vivid dreaming. Where it seems mm-hmm. like the rest formula, you still dream. I mean, I dream all the time anyway, but it's not quite as intense or, or what have you. I mean, that's the only way I know to explain it. But it, it kind of intrigues me on how you can come up with a product and say, this product is really better for this particular need. Is it a dosage thing or is it, you know, the entourage effect and what other things are in there? Yes, it, it, it is probably both of those. And um, I want to address 
you know, not only, you know, what you're saying, you know, what makes it more of a restful um, formula versus the awakening, but I also then want to address your experience. Um, but with what you can do is you can add in or you can get certain cultivars that um, have more of these terpenes. There are terpenes, which, you know, are compounds that enhance or and or are part of the whole plant. That's another thing you want to look for. Um, and they they um, make the experience more broad reaching versus a lot of companies just pull the CBD out by itself as an isolate. And so you don't get that whole plant experience. So, yes, um, so it can either be that um, the flower that's used to make the product has more of these terpenes or that they add those terpenes, the more calming terpenes in and or there are different ways of processing it, you know, maybe um, heating differently um, that make it more sedative. Is there like in in the world of, you know, let's say recreational marijuana, that type of world, you've got indica and sativa. Does that cross over? To hemp plants, um, you know, and and that's not that's not my um, main focus. Okay. And yes, I think that you can do that. But I also am reading a lot of um, you know people are, are distinguishing the indica versus the sativa a little bit too much when maybe that's not um, maybe it doesn't always play out that way. That gotcha. you know one more energizing than the other. I have to say that I. I haven't found it to be as cut and dry as people make it out to be, but I also think people respond differently to, to the oh. same substance. So that's another thing in there too, I guess. Um, so what are the distinguishing characteristics then between, let's say marijuana, hemp, cannabis, CBD? Well, um, they're, they're both from, you know, hemp and um, marijuana are both from the cannabis plant, but the uh, hemp plant has the, you know, 0.3% or less THC, and then the marijuana plant. And, you know, before we started having access to medical marijuana and, um, you know, even recreational in these um, legal states, what was available on the black market was was turbo THC, you know, with very, very little um, CBD. And the CBD actually balances out the THC to make it not such a um, not such a um, psychedelic or, or psychoactive experience, and so that's what's so lovely today, and that's why we all need access to it because you know you can do these ratios, you can do one to one THC to CBD, which I'm finding um, through all the research I'm doing is has a great impact for you know uh, lots of conditions. Um, and then you can also, you know, incorporate the THC a certain amount in, in a certain ratio. And, and that can also be very conducive to sleep as well. And so with the but with the hemp derived CBD, then you've got you've got the CBD or the plant derived cannabinoids. And those are very impactful, like I said, in preserving our own uh, cannabinoids. And then they also have uh, impact on inflammation. And so. That across the board can help with pain and, um, you know, preventing all kinds of chronic disease because that's the fire starter of disease. And what's so unique about CBD, and this is what sets it apart from, you know, the prescription um, 
pain meds and, you know, NSAIDs, things like that, is that it is a pleiotropic in its action, meaning it has more than one benefit. So not only is it going to be impacting, um, let's say, inflammation, but it can also be, be impacting, you know, like I discussed, that anxiety. And, you, you know, you pull all of that stuff together, and that's why, you know, you're probably having the experience that you're having when you go to sleep, it's not knocking you out like it's a drug, but it is calming the, you know, the over exciting or uh, uh, um, excitatory of your nervous system. And then it's taking your inflammation down, you know, and calming anxiety and, you know, bam, you know, you're, you're out. Um, and, and I did want to share, my husband had that exact same experience and he gets pulverized every day at work. And I mean, you, it, you explained it just like he did, and it was works wonders for him. He did the um, rest plus as well, but this is one thing I do have to. Um, he is a CDL driver, so right. he is subjected to random drug tests, and you know, unfortunately, the drug testing is not reflective, and you know, of the current, you know, legality, and so he. So we just did some urine tests on him. And even though it's that, you know, minuscule amount of THC, which is legal in the hemp plant, it will make you hot or pop for THC. Hmm. So for those folks, those are are the folks who I recommend using a CBD isolate product that take, that's, there's no THC whatsoever. Um, And make sure on that product that it says that. And it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to have the cross the board impact as you might with a full spectrum, but it still, you know, still could be very beneficial. But if you are subjected to um, drug tests that you know, you know, once a year I get drug tested, then you can take a break from the CBD for a couple of weeks. And then you can also, a couple of uh, department, human resources department will do a second test and they'll say, oh, oh, it's just a minuscule amount and you know you told us that you're on the cbd um but anyway i just you know definitely want that out there well definitely i mean our last guest was doing an, a co- an infused coffee product and he was explaining that the one he used is like basically distilled so it's pure cbd and there's nothing else and it's actually then turned into a powder so that like when you make the coffee it doesn't have like a, a floating oil on it um right and that product works well too i I do think after trying different stuff that there is something to what they call the entourage effect personally, but I would rather use that and get some benefit than risk your job. And I think – just, I just want to be clear. That's the kind of thing you're talking about because one of the products you guys sent me had like no THC in it of one of the main THC, and then there's like the Delta THC or something. Like I got the lab thing in here in front of me, but it's like this absolutely tiny, minuscule amount – but you're right. saying you probably shouldn't even use that if you're subject to testing. To random tra- testing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, and that's that's um, like I said, it's it's unfortunate because it just worked wonders for my husband. And that was the rest plus because that's showing that there's almost no THC at all, period. And yet, I guess what? it still accumulates. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things I've basically said. You know, you might be okay, but I wouldn't risk my career over it. It's uh, yeah. it, it's a shame, and you, you almost feel like, okay, at some point, 
legally now with with hemp being you know legal under FDA and actually FDA certifying like this is an FDA certified hemp product um like these companies are going to have like there's a lawsuit coming sooner or later on this issue because i i think that like you're not let's say if i was a recreational marijuana user smoked three or four times a week Nobody mm-hmm. using a CBD oil product that's a, a, truly a CBD oil, not that would qualify legally as just CBD, is yeah. going to have nowhere near the levels yeah. that I'm going to have in my body if I take a urine test. So it, it is because yeah. I, I guess this is kind of new because like when I was when I had a job many years ago uh, and was subject to drug testing, you could hit for a small amount. There was like a a, a, a threshold. Because they realized right. there was other ways you could be exposed, you know, secondhand, whatever. So there was like, right. you would have to have actually been a user to pop positive. And it doesn't seem like that's the case. But like these tests have gotten tighter. And I know like one of the jobs I had, I worked for a fairly large company. They didn't do a urine test. They did a hair follicle test. Right. Oh, so, they, so they could see a lot longer <laughs> back into substance abuse. Yeah. And uh, so no. I guess there's going to have to be some kind of showdown here. Like you can't take somebody's livelihood away for using a a substance that absolutely is not intoxicating and is legal. It just doesn't seem right. But right now, it's a risk. I guess I wouldn't take. Right, and it may. And we just did. You know, we just did um, strips that we bought. You know, online, and you know, it may be that it depends. I mean, I'm sure different companies do different types of tests. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might want to find that out and you might want to tell them beforehand and then to see CBD. If it does show THC, do you do a second test to see, you know, yeah. the level and whatnot? So, yeah, it may not be an issue, even if you are subjected to random tests, but it's just something to consider. Oh, absolutely. No, it makes sense. And pretty much everybody's advice that I've looked up has, has mirrored yours. Like, you probably just shouldn't. Right, because it's not worth the risk, or at least, like you said, know what the policy is. And I think that has a lot to do with your employer. Like, you know, is your employer a a, a ten man auto shop, and the guy just doesn't want his guys you know, stoned, or yeah. or do you work for the federal government, right? Where there's like, well, we are not allowed to think for ourselves. This number's wrong, so you're fired. I mean, <laughs> those are two different worlds. Yeah. Well, and there's another issue with, um, you know, and I don't know how many uh, pain clinics do this. And I know, uh, I believe um, even the VA did this, that, you know, they would have um, patients who who were on, you know, at pain clinics and they were treat, treated with um, narcotics and they would be uh, drug tested. And if they came up positive for THC, they take their narcotics away. Isn't that crazy? That's Yeah, that's insane. It's it's. It, I think you've got it backwards, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. I was mentioning during our intro segment the the insanity of cannabis being labeled a Schedule One drug, and the federal government digging their heels in on that. I'm not the biggest fan in the world of Donald Trump, but with some of his talk as he came in, softer talk on that whole world, I thought maybe that would change. And man, I mean, they just won't yield at all. I mean, it, it's it's preposterous that you're basically told this substance that we have clinical proof of being medically useful has no medical purpose, and it's more dangerous than methamphetamine. It just it, it seems absolutely insane to me. It is, and you know, I I, I would would like to give you know the 
uh, big pharma benefit of the doubt. But, um, you know, I think they are just really trying to position themselves to get as many patents on as many cannabinoids, you know, and once they are satisfied and or that they get into the supplement realm of the industry, then, you know, I think they're, I don't know if their lobbies are just so powerful, but, but, you know, and beyond, you know, you hear a lot of talk about the CBD and then it's just, um, you know, so miraculous and cure-all and, um, you know, it almost sounds like a snake oil. But why people are having this experience is just very reflective of, you know, we haven't paid much attention to our endocannabinoid systems. And I've actually been at events um, where, you know, people would get samples of this. And I think one of your uh, previous guests uh, spoke to this as well. And it's something that I never, it's never resonated with me as far as anxiety goes or mood goes. And in fact, when I experimented in high school, I thought everybody else was faking it. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, but you would, you know, people would take the sample and it would either just happen right then or 10 minutes later, they would come back and they would say, you know, I had a migraine and I was leaving to go home. You know, what, tell me again what this is. Or, you know, um, we had some man come back and he said, you know, I never thought I could feel this happy. So it's, it depends on so people who resonate well with it, who feel it. Um, and it could be mood elevation or reduction in anxiety, or it could be what you experienced, you know, your, um, you know, your restless legs calm down enough so that you could go to sleep. You know, that's indicative, indicative that, you know, your endocannabinoid system could use some support. And let's say if you tried a bunch of different products and they were good quality products, you know, high concentration and everything, and you didn't really feel anything, then, you know, maybe that's a good indication that, your endocannabinoid system is in balance. And well, I that's also a great point. And I think that's what like, like the people that like say, Oh, it cures cancer and it rebuilds bones and makes rotted teeth grow back. And like, they just go <laughs> to the stupid, the level, like I don't know if you're familiar with the, the movie Tropic Thunder, but the, 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 the one character in it, the Robert Downer Jr. is telling the other actor, he says, you went full retard. You never go full retard. And then there's the concept that, If you go past full retard, you go straight to potato. Like they've gone straight to potato and you're not helping because nobody believes the real stories of what really works then. So the way I look at it, like my wife had a, a condition called trigeminal neuralgia. And this is a short, you, you, you were a nurse, so you're probably familiar with short circuit of the fifth nerve in the face. And it ended up being, she had a, a surgery done for it to relieve pressure on that nerve. And it was a vein compressing the nerve to the point where, If you think of the nerve like a coax cable, it basically was causing a short circuit in the nerve. Now, right. so that's a mechanical problem. So she was on all kind of medication for years because we tried to defer surgery because it's a serious surgery. But, like, you can't take a drug that will make that nerve uncompressed. That's a mechanical issue. Um, certainly, if your lymph system is screwed up, you can have anything from cancer to immune problems and stuff like that. But we can also have cancer or immune problems when it's not the lymph system. So since what we're doing is rebalancing this endocannabinoid system, if that's not the problem, then it stands the reason that it probably wouldn't help. Correct. But it also, because the endocannabinoid system, you know, I, uh, another um, kind of metaphor for it is like a, a mobile, you know, that, that you hang over a baby's crib. Yeah. And the, 
nexus points of the of those mobiles, that's kind of your endocannabinoid system. And you know, if I mean, you can you can knock it with your head or whatever, but it it brings itself back into balance. And so again, if um, if you're having an issue with a certain body system, and you know, yours is mechanic mechanical, so yeah, it's not going to do a whole lot there. Um, but it may do a little bit um, because it will um, it will Reduce impact inflammation. Let's say, yes. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but how I think of it, and for these people who who really feel it and really get benefit from it, um, then they need it. And it could be also that they're genetically, and I think these are the ones who respond to it right away. Even the recreational, you know, they just really um, connect with that. And it, it, there are genetic issues involved as well. In fact, this is, I love this. Um, I, uh, like I told you, I never um, felt it, you know, like the mood elevation. And there is a, a genetic snip with people who don't feel it the mood way. And they have, um, they have a genetic snip, which prevents the breakdown of anandamide in and of itself. And so they naturally just have more anandamide and they have a happier disposition. Um, and so, you know, the folks that don't have this are going to be more likely to struggle with anxiety. But how wonderful if they just take, you know, some CBD during the day and alleviate that versus having to go on benzodiazepines. You know, that's really not addressing any of the root cause. And then one other thing I want to say about the CBD is, you know, uh, I like, if you know you don't have a reaction to it, hemp or anything like that, um, I'd like to tell people to start off strong. Take a good, you know, 20 to 40 milligram um, serving and just see how you feel and do that for a couple of days. And then if you start noticing that, wow, I'm not as anxious in the afternoons, um, wow, you know, my, my pain might not be completely gone, but I don't notice it as much, then, you know, you can start backing down on it. But the, the, the way this should be utilized is not as a cure-all and a complete replacement of everything, but it's the perfect adjunct to lifestyle. You know, I, I would not tell anybody to, you know, oh, you know, to cure all your um, issues. You know with- what? You can just have, you know, six jack-in-the-box tacos a day. And yeah, yeah. you can live in a whiskey bottle, but if you'll take a little bit of CBD oil, you'll be fine. You, that's yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. how this works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and then, um, you know, and then with the, you know, the narcotics and the opioids, it is, um, and we can talk drug interaction too. You have to be careful with that. But, um, you know, with, with these kids, like I said, on the surgery floor, I mean, they needed some opioids. But for us, this is just, uh, you know, this is, just what makes me want to scream that we cannot give these babies and these children some CBD uh, product along with the opioids, which actually enhances the opioids effects, meaning you don't have to take as much. And then when you're not taking as much, then their hospital stays. Usually the last day of a hospital stay is getting people beyond the side effects of the um, narcotics, you know, the constipated and, um, and then not sending them home with a bag full or a, you know, refills and refills of narcotics, but to send them home on more of a, uh, you know, CBD type of product and maybe 
you know, have one or two of the narcotics. So I'm not saying narcotics aren't necessary. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, it's, um, you know, it's despicable that, that we can't have access to something that would, will not lead to the side effects of, you know, the addiction and the overdosing. Well, and I'll tell you, like you said, you'd like to give Big Pharma the, the benefit of the doubt. I wouldn't. This is not, <laughs> this is not a safe space for Big Pharma here. And I, I've looked into it and the, the biggest lobbies, that I found pushing against more and more legalization in the world of cannabis as a whole is the prison lobby, because it's a private prison system a lot of times and, and where people are going to prison today. It's the alcohol industry and yeah. big pharma, like because it takes a bite out of their market share. Um, and I'm not talking about just CBD now. I'm talking about also you know medical and recreational <laughs> cannabis. They, but like even CBD, I can't tell you how many veterans I've talked to They were dealing with PTSD and are off all their meds and they're yes. doing fine and they're using CBD oil. I've talked the, the kid thing with the seizures. It used to be yes. illegal even to give them CBD and they threatened a parent with prison. That was a place like I'm kind of, a, you know, I got a little bit of Thomas Jefferson in me. There's a point at which I will take up arms. That's like put, you're pushing me to the edge when, I, when a parent can't take care of a child having seizures. And I have talked to parents. Kid had seizures, gave him CBD oil, stops him butt cold in the middle of one. And then I've talked to parents, kid has seizures, tried it, didn't work for this kid. And I mm -hmm. think that you're back to not everything is going to treat everything, right? Like, like different people have different problems for different reasons. But, yeah, man, I mean, when you look at the problem we have is in, in our country and in most of the developed world today, if, if you had a company, right, Uh, Blair, that was making $100 million a year profit, and next year you make $99 million instead of $100, you wouldn't care. You, I mean, I don't care. Like, it's $99 million. As long as it's not a trend that's going to be like zero in 10 years, I, so what? Like, on the stock exchange, if you go down a million dollars in profit or revenue, you know, 1%, it's a sell-off and it's a catastrophe and everything is predicated on continuous growth. Well, if that's the world you live in and you've already taken the biggest piece of the pie you can get, you can't share it anymore. And that's why I think all of these these large corporations push back against anything like, well, gee, if we made it legal, there would be less people going to prison for it. So prison industry can't have that. You know, well, maybe, gee, if, if, if Tony could, could have a little bit of bud legally, he might not want the other kind of bud. So he'll drink less beer like I, this. And then pharma, man. If you just look at so, like their goal, in my view, is to have every person on a substance for their entire oh. life. That is their, that is kind of, in some, if you read some of their literature, like that's their stated goal. Like not, not the literature from scientists, but the literature for like investors, right? So like yeah. when you have somebody that has a simple plant-derived product and they can just say, well, you know, just take your PTSD meds and throw them away after we try this to make sure it works, like that is... That's like, as far as they're concerned, they're being shot at, you know, in a war. Well, and, and, and that's just, you know, and CBD, uh, you know, these types of, uh, like I said, these pleiotropic type of products that are addressing imbalances, they should be our first line offense and they should be our first line defense. And once we get sucked in, you know, to that pharmaceutical, I mean, that, you know, that little uh, mobile analogy I, I said, I mean, that's like putting a vice, you know, in one of those uh or a fishing weight 
and that strains the whole system. And then so what do you have to do? You have to do a whole nother pharmaceutical. But yeah, you know, when I'm saying give the benefit of the doubt, it's like, you know, I guess you well, explained. You did say I would like to, right? Which implies well, that you yeah. don't, right? <laughs> well, well, but yeah, I think you explained it, but I, it just, I just don't understand it because there will always be a need for those. But, and if they're used appropriately, then they wouldn't be so villainized. I mean, everybody's just like, you know, it's just all over the paper, this, you know, opioid epidemic and the, so if they would be more responsible with it, it there would still be a need and we will still drink alcohol. You know, um, mm-hmm. and but it would it would, you know, impact. I if you took a poll of ER nurses and ER docs and asked, do you want an uh, emergency room full of alcohol related patients or cannabis related patients? And you can ask this a police officer, and it would be. Cannabis. They would say, well, it would it would be practically empty because they'd just be sitting at home watching yeah. a movie. Eating it's weekly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but but yeah, so the, so it's just it's it's a shame because all those industries um, I don't think are threatened. But you're saying that, you know, they have to keep growing. And, and you know, it just um, it, it's they don't have our best interests in mind. And that's especially with the medical you know, uh, industry. That's very, um, that's very telling. Well, it is short-sighted too, because like in Canada, they now are doing, you know, uh, cannabis infused beer, right? So like the problem is a solution. If you, if you address it, right. I don't know that I necessarily think that's a great idea, but, (laughs) but you know, like it is a solution to their problem. Like we're not going to have all the prisons closed because, Cannabis becomes legal everywhere. We're not, people are not going to stop using pharmaceuticals, but I think actually they're probably the industry with the most to lose because it's the most direct correlation. Like I know people that smoke pot and they also drink beer and they didn't stop drinking beer because they started smoking pot. They probably do drink less beer than the average person only drinks beer, right? But they still drink beer. But if you have somebody that's on, on Vicodin, and they're able to use a CBD product that gives them pain relief to the point where they don't need a Vicodin anymore, they're going to stop taking Vicodin. Like, right. Like that. Yeah, and that should, be the, that should be the goal. Sure it should. With an addictive, with an addictive uh, drug that can kill you because it hits the, the respiratory sy- uh, the system in your brain stem, then we should not be taking that on a regular basis. We shouldn't be taking benzodiazepines on a regular basis. And so, you know, but they do have their place, you know, and even even some, a lot of psychiatric meds have their place. But for that to be, we should, you know, that should not be the primary med if it doesn't need to be. You know, if somebody feels like they're going to kill themselves, you know, yes, they're going to need something strong. But to have the adjunct of something like cannabis to just make it. Um, across the board better and be more of a broad spectrum and to use less of it. And, you know, it, you can't overdose on cannabis. No, I was going to say, like, one of my friends recently said to me, he goes, well, I'll give you this. So cannabis is less dangerous than, than, than alcohol. I'm like, cannabis is less dangerous than pizza. Pizza has <laughs> killed more people in America than cannabis has. I, I know it sounds <laughs> funny, but it's, it's actually true. Yeah, You know, I mean, because obesity and heart disease and all, that's what I meant. But I was also thinking, I bet there's a few people every year that choke to death and die on pizza. (laughs) I I, I bet in a direct, you know, pizza kills man, pizza has killed more 
people than cannabis has. Uh, <laughs> on all this, I, I, I can tell you are a an advocate for the standpoint of this this stuff should not be criminal. And I know you have like one of your sites is access to green dot com. Um, mm-hmm. What would you, like if, if I gave you the scepter of authority in the world of, of, of not just CBD but cannabis, all of this? How would you address it from a, a league like totally unregulated, do whatever you want? Like, what would be your your silver bullet solution to this whole thing? Well, I, I do think that um, as long as the regulatory agency has our best interests at heart, um, you know, there is a place for regulation. And the um, the business that I do some education for, the Hemp Magic. Uh, She's going through this now, and you know now that the um, that you know the changing of the guard between the DEA to now the FDA, um, you know, is a whole new set of regulations. And so you want to look for um, companies that are not waiting to get that cease and desist letter and still doing stuff in their kitchen or whatever. You want to find companies that are starting to regulate themselves and setting standards, you know, GMP standards and, um, you know, laboratory, you know, make sure that they're, uh, again, doing all the good analysis. And um, so, yes, I and, and there is discussion. Let's hope this happens that and I I think that FDA can be reasonable. I mean, Kratom's still available, available. But the, um, they're talking about the FDA maybe forming, um, and someone called them swim lanes, which I like, kind of little different tracks for CBDs, these, you know, independent or these companies to be able to be successful. And, you know, but they have to follow certain guidelines. So I'm, uh, I'm cool, you know, with that as long as it's not so that the, so that big pharma can get more patents on it, you know, which I'm worried, you know, they do have a patent, I guess now on maybe CBD. So it may be that CBD isolates won't be, you know, legal. I, I, I don't know. Again, that's um, not my main focus on that, but and I, I do think everybody should be able to grow it. And, you know, you can put a limit on the plant if you want. And then, you know, if somebody is in need of it and, you know, can't grow their own, then you should be able to you know grow some for, for other people in need. Um, and then, you know, for us to have access to it and even things like metformin, which is one of the most, um, highly prescribed drugs. It's kind of the first line drug for people with prediabetes and, you know, even on type two diabetes, but you can buy kind of the analog. It's berberine, you know? So, I mean, I, I don't know why, you know, why we can't use, do the same thing, you know, with cannabis or have the same access. I mean, I look at it this way. You're talking about a plant with thousands of years of human use, never killing anybody, right? Like, I just think government, from a standpoint of the plant itself, in raw form, just just get out of the way. It should be no different than me growing a tomato. Like, now, when it comes to a product, you know, full disclosure, because you're new to the community here, I'm an anarchist, right? So I would like no state at all, honestly. But (laughs) under the system we have, I'm also a pragmatist. And when you put something into a bottle and you, it's not, okay, here's a plant, it's in the bottle, here's, like, you've done something to it. The consumer has a reasonable expectation that, like, one of the things in that bottle is not lead, right? Or if you told me I'm getting X percent CBDA, that, that I'm getting what the label says, not more, not less. I'm getting what you say you're doing. 
So I'm very yeah. much on, on point with you on self-policing industry standards and in our system, yes, yeah, some, some governmental oversight. So I think like the industry can police itself, but under our current system, then the government basically says, it's important that you're doing what you say you're doing. And, but yes. I think that's covered under food law. Like if, if I'm making, you know, uh, honey glazed uh, cashews and it turns right. out I'm putting strychnine in the honey glaze, right, that's already <laughs> illegal. We don't need a whole new thing for that. But maybe we do here because it's such a – It's is it a, is it a supplement? Is it a drug? Is it an over-the-counter drug? Is it – you know, I mean like it's – It's it's completely uncharted territory from you know hundred uh, like almost a hundred years of war against it is what it is. Yes, and and it is I, I think you know now going to you know what like what you were talking about um, you know be regulated you know now that the FDA has is the new guard. Um, so yeah, it will be more like a food product, but I think there is some controversy over well is it a drug because you know they patent. I think there's a CBD drug that um, GW Pharmaceutical now has. So, um, and then they don't want it in food products is what the, um, I believe the letter speaks to that uh, at least there is going to be sent out in North Carolina. And so, they, but they're not sure about the like sublingual oils and the tinctures and certainly the topicals. Um, so, So, yeah, they're, you know, again, hopefully they're going to do this little swim lane so that there's going to be, um, you know, a place for a variety of products and hopefully, um, you know, even the CBD isolate. You know, I don't, I don't know if I need to be worried about that, um, but, uh, you know, that's nice to have available, too, for people who are still, you know, drug tested. I think it's incredibly important until that, that issue is solved. That's like that's yeah. the only option they have. Where they're not yes. risking their future, so I completely agree with that. Anyway, I've really enjoyed talking with you today, Blair. Can you tell people like where they can learn more about you, the stuff you do, uh, where they can get CBD oil? For, I know you're associated with one of the companies. Exactly how like are you part of the board of Hemp Magic? Are you the owner, a co-founder? How does that work? Well, I just was I was just so tickled to um, you know I, I was doing this exhausted search and I couldn't find what I was looking for, and then I found it locally, and then you know that she does it. In fact, if you want to interview somebody who has been involved in a grow and um, she has her setting up her own lab, does her all extraction and production and you know everything, um, she'd be wonderful. She's very politically kind of involved in it. Um, but yeah, I so I've actually just been supporting kind of her efforts and doing some um, doing some education. So I, I guess maybe you say I'm on the board. You could say that. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's hit magic with a K. And I wanted to say one more thing because I thought you'd get a kick out of this. Um, it used to be that there was feral hemp, and hemp was in, um, like, livestock feed. Oh, yeah. So we, we used to get it, and, and, and so it's making a comeback. It's, it's um, hemp-fed meat. And so, you know, it would be incorporated into the tissues of these animals, and then we would eat those animals, and then we would benefit like we benefit from grass-fed beef and with the omega-3s. But, you know, that may be another reason why, you know, our endocannabinoid systems are so in crisis, because we're not getting them from, you know, the animals like we used. I thought that was kind of interesting. That But you can also... You can also find me. I, I don't do much Facebook, and if you ever do anything with CBD or whatever, they'll shut you down, and then they'll pop you back up and shut you down. So I'm leaving that. 
And I've started um, Healthing Yourself on Patreon. And I, I, you know, I have a regular nursing gig, but I love um, advocating for people. So if you want to, I can help you talk with your um, <clears throat> doctor if you want to transition away from, you know, some pharmaceutical that you're on or if you just have issues. But go on my Patreon page. It's Healthing Yourself. I also have a sister site. It's Carnivore with Condiments, just on sustainable fat loss and increasing chronic disease risk. And you already mentioned Access to Green. I'll make sure there's links to all of that stuff in the uh, show notes today. And again, Blair, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Well, certainly an interesting discussion there. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know overall I certainly did. Um, again, I think that, that cannabis as a, as a plant as a whole uh, really has a, a, a tremendous potential for healing. I don't think it's the miracle that some people make it out to be. You know, oh, you got like stage four lymphoma, just take some marijuana and you'll be better. I, I think that some people overplay that. But I do think, especially with greater research, as I understand more and more about the cannabinoid system and the receptors and the, 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 the myriad of cannabinoids beyond the few that we really talk about and look at and the different structures that can be created, um, I think there's tremendous potential for healing in this world. And I, I find it reprehensible that there was a time when a person could go to prison um, for, let's say, taking a CBD oil and giving it to a child in the middle of an epileptic seizure and having that seizure immediately cease. I think that's reprehensible. I think that the fact that our government has said that there is no medical use and, and, and continues. Now, of course, CBD-based uh, hemp has been finally sort of kind of in a way legalized with a bunch of regulation at the federal level, but the federal government continues to classify cannabis as far as the THC-containing cannabis as a Schedule I drug more dangerous than methamphetamine. I think it's disgraceful, and, and I'm glad that people like Blair are not just bringing to you um, products like CBD-based oils, but working as advocates to remove this prohibition and restriction uh, as much as we can everywhere in the world because criminalizing a plant doesn't really help anybody except big industry and uh, big government, which in this country are often kind of one and the same, uh, very definition of fascist economics. With that, um, let's go ahead and remind you guys, if you want to support the show and the work we do, there's a really simple, painless way to do that. And it's just if you're going to shop online, go to tspaz.com first. T-S-P-A-Z.com. Go to tspaz.com first. You can check out all our product reviews there, and, and they're all alphabetical. If it's there, I own it, I use it, I bought it. But you can get on over and see the, the deals of the day on Amazon and what have you. If you. As long as you start there, you help us no matter what you eventually buy. I wanted to talk to you today about our item of the day, which is the Porter Cable 9-inch pruning a reciprocating saw blade. It's a long thing, but it's basically a saw blade for a sawzall. It's about 9 inches long, and the tooth pattern on it, if you're familiar with a bow saw, a hand bow saw, and you look at this tooth pattern, you go, oh, okay, I get it, because it's, it's exactly the same as a bow saw's tooth pattern. And that's why it works so good for pruning trees. You get good, straight, clean cuts with it. Uh, I've got a video in the review of uh, me showing how I you know, used it more for removing scrub trees at my place in Arkansas, but it's the same thing. And uh, the reason I brought it around today is because it is that time of the year, isn't it, to make sure that we're out there getting things pruned very, very quickly. If you don't get on it, you're going to run out of time. I've already got trees here 
kind of worried about it because we have like some 20 to 20, you know, high 20s coming or maybe mid 20s coming next week. And I've got trees with blossoms on them. And uh, we'll see if they make it through that. So it is time to get the pruning done. These things come out to about $3.50 a piece. They last a long time. And my view is chainsaws have a place. I use chainsaws all the time, gas-powered, electric-powered. Um, and there's things that chainsaws do really well. Chainsaws also tend to be a little bit more dangerous than normal when you're cutting things with them that really don't require a chainsaw, like scrubby brush and stuff like that. And people do it because it's expedient. Uh, pruning saws, uh, reciprocating saws work way better for this. They work way, work way better for reaching high up on standing on a ladder to take a limb off of a tree, etc. Uh, the thing about a reciprocating saw, when you let go of the button, the blade stops moving immediately. Chainsaws, they have that carryover effect. And most of the people I know that have been injured by chainsaws weren't injured by the chain at full power, thank God. They were injured by that residual movement. So I think that the reciprocating saws are something most of us own. They're safer, they work really good, and these blades make them great for pruning. And if you want recommendations on some uh, saws themselves, uh, the DeWalt 20-volt Max is my primary recommendation. That's because I'm a DeWalt guy and I have DeWalt-installed base batteries. Um, there's a company called Porter Cable that makes these uh, blades. They have a little combo kit. If you do not have a 20-volt saw and a 20-volt drill, And you don't already, you're not already like, you know, a, you know, you're not already, uh, using something like DeWalt or Bosch or, you know, what have you. Um, and you just need kind of a consumer level product. It's a hell of a deal. It's about 110 bucks for the drill and the, uh, saw. So I got that in the review for you as well. As I get strafed here, strafed here by the, uh, F-16s again. I gave a pause there like that. I mean, that one had a low ceiling right over the roof. Somebody called DC and tell them, I'm not doing conspiracy theories. They can leave me alone. We're, we're talking, well, I guess they don't like CBD oil or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, uh, check out the review. And remember, you can always help us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. Song of the day today is, um, a song I, I, I didn't know and a band I didn't know. And, and they're okay. I mean, uh, remember, John Adam does our, uh, our musical programming for me. Um, the, 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 the song is called Vextatious, and uh, the band is called Candlebox. And what this song is about really is social media and the, the sad nature of social media, where everybody just has this undying need to be seen and present themselves in a perfect way, and at the same time appears incredibly needy for people that are supposedly so well off. You know, I don't really... I know this is a thing. I, I completely know this is a thing, that this this occurs, this happens, that people are, are like this. I don't generally notice it. And I guess it makes you wonder if social media is a problem or the way people use social media is a problem, kind of like drugs, right? There's plenty of people that use cannabis. We talked about CBD all the day, but I'm talking full-on cannabis It doesn't cause any problems in their lives at all. And then people that say, you know, it's completely harmless, it can't ruin a life. And I'm like, no, I've known some people that had their lives pretty screwed up, and it was certainly a part of it. And I think it's how you use it. And I think there's a divide uh, in the world of social media. I think there's a lot of us that if you're older and more actually really confident in yourself, you'll post a picture of yourself where you don't look so good. Yeah, you'll post a picture of yourself where you broke some shit, Right? But then there are the people, I guess, that they're always trying to present themselves perfectly. 
And I guess that's falling to our youth, which makes perfect sense because it makes you think of high school kids and early college. And uh, I do think it can be, well, kind of a problem. But I think, again, it always comes back to who's doing it, who's doing it how, and, and what's going on. And I think maybe the social media isn't the problem, but rather the lens that allows us to see the problem, that this, this type of, of thing, especially among young girls, is not new. We had plenty of girls trying to be this in the 1980s. They just didn't have things like Instagram to do it with. But always trying to be perfect. And then always comparing themselves to somebody else. You know, I had somebody recently ask me, just yesterday, if I was really smart. They said, like, will you tell me what your IQ is? I said, no, I won't tell you what my IQ is. But I, I will tell you that I probably still have teachers today that if they're still around, if they look me up and see what I'm doing, I'll think I'm wasting my life. In spite of my success, they'll think I'm wasting my life because I think I should be in a lab somewhere curing cancer or some shit. And, uh, but what I said back to this person is that if you're really smart, you live the life you want instead of the life that others want for you. And I think there's something to that with this, this song and this issue in America today. I think that people are presenting themselves not as they want to be, but as they think others wish to see them. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. <laughs>